Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. The first week of this series, we looked at the times in life when we get comfortable in the ruts. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, the children of Israel were stuck in a rut, and after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, they had forgotten where they were heading. But God reminded them, God spoke to them and said, you have stayed long enough at this mountain. In other words, get out of the rut that you're in and get into the promised land. And I told you that developing the proper spiritual disciplines in your life can help you get out of the rut that you may be in. Sometimes you need to throw your system into a shock. And the only way that happens is through the proper spiritual disciplines in your life. The second week, we looked at the difference between ruts and routines. You can get stuck in a rut, but a routine, it will keep you moving when you don't feel like moving. Routines increase our efficiency and ensure that important things get done. Things that we don't want to do, but yet they need to be done. They get done. And there were three routines in Daniel's life that I told you every Christian needs. And the first one was this. He had routine in his posture. Daniel had a good attitude about life. It's that simple. The joy of the Lord was his strength. And he went through life that way. So he had routine in his posture. He had routine in his purity. His record was spotless. They could not make one accusation against him. They had to, 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 to trick him into actually disobeying the king. And so they couldn't find anything against him. There was routine in his purity. And he had routine in his performance. Every day, Daniel did the same thing. He went home, he would open the windows toward Jerusalem, he would get down on his knees and he would pray giving thanks to God and the Bible says that he did this three times a day. These are the spiritual disciplines in his life. Routine in his posture, routine in his purity, and routine in his performance. Daniel could pray with faith believing in the lion's den because Daniel had already prayed with faith believing in his living room. And if you want to be able to face the lions in the lion's den, then you need to start practicing prayer in your living room right now. Practice the spiritual discipline before you face the trial. And then last week, I told you that some of the greatest revivals of all time, they were birthed out of routine. We read of the early church in Acts chapter 2, and this new movement of believers flourished in revival because of the routine that they had set for their lives. And their day-to-day routine, it consisted of a devotion to hearing God's word, a devotion to building community with one another through food and fellowship. I really thought when I said food, some of you that are participating in the fast, you would amen me right there. Amen? A devotion to building community with one another through food and fellowship. And they had a devotion to prayer. They had a devotion to a generous way of living. And they had a devotion to meeting together regularly at the temple, just like we are today, gathering here in, in, in what is a makeshift temple for us here in this middle school. That's what they would do. And the result of that routine in their lives was a continual daily stream of new believers coming into the Christian movement. People were being refreshed and renewed on a daily basis. And I told you, that's true revival. I don't care how you were raised, that's true revival right there. When there are people coming to know Jesus Christ, people being discipled, then that's when we recognize true revival. And I told you that revival just doesn't take place in in a church building. Revival can take place in the lives of the individuals that make up the church. Revival can come to our homes. Revival can come to our marriages. But we must first focus on the routine that ushers in revival. Revival starts with me. Revival starts with you. Amen? 
If you want to experience revival in your house, then, then start it with you. Start the routines with you. If you want to experience revival in your church, let it start with you. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm so thankful for our civil servants. The men and women who wear the armor of law enforcement and fire and rescue, they absolutely amaze me. I mean, all of our civil servants amaze me, but particularly these. But recently, I read this newspaper article about a firefighter that went above and beyond the call of duty. He did something that I'm not sure that I can do. But man, how great is this man? His name is Captain Scott Ledet, and Captain Scott Ledet did something that's not covered in the firefighter manuals. They don't cover this in the training school. It all started when Yvette Childers, her RV suddenly burst into flames and she made it safely outside, but her chihuahua named My Little Pony. What else would you name a chihuahua? My Little Pony was still stuck inside of the RV. She made it out safe, but My Little Pony didn't, still trapped inside. And by the time the Addison, Texas firefighters reached the dog, they said that she was near death and appeared lifeless. And that's when Captain Ledet stepped in to save the day. And, and here's what he said in the newspaper article. I just started performing CPR like I would do if it was any other person. It never really crossed my mind to not do it. Ledet performed CPR and mouth-to-snout resuscitation for 20 minutes, and his efforts saved the Chihuahua, known as My Little Pony, from the big doghouse in the sky. Doesn't that just make you feel good right there? Just this warm feeling comes over you, right? Man, I'm telling you right now, I'm not sure if I could do it. I'll be honest with you. If it were left up to me, mouth-to-snout resuscitation. Two words, doggone. <laughs> we all know that all dogs go to heaven, right? And so I'm not even, I'm not even going. I'm not, that's, he's a dead dog. In order, in order for something to be revived, now don't miss this. In order for something to be revived, something must first be dead or near death. Think about it. In order for something to be revived, something must either be dead or near death. And some of you today, you're in this room and you're holding on by just a thread. Trust me, it's been an emotional week for me too. There's been moments when, when I just didn't want to get up and get out of bed. You know what it is, but, but for some reason, we still do it. We still do it, and we still go through the agony. We still go through the pain. We go through the motions, and, and it's just tough sometimes. It's tough to wake up and go and do what you need to do and be responsible and all that kind of stuff. That's the routines of life that I've been telling you about. Sometimes you just have to go through the motions to make sure things get done because in a moment, in a moment, revival can come to your life. But in order for something to be revived, it first has to to be dead or near death and that's what we're going to walk out of this room with hope with today because some of you you're near death you're near death not physically but spiritually and emotionally you're near death and today there's hope I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6 Isaiah chapter 6 today I just want to read one verse of scripture to you from our text and I don't know if I've ever done this before um, maybe I have, I don't remember, I don't recall. But our, we're just going to focus on this one verse. And everything I want to preach to you comes, comes basically right out of this verse. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. 
In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. That's it. That's what I want to talk to you about for the next few moments. Oh, I could keep reading this. And if I did, it would freak some of you out from what Isaiah had to experience and what he would see. The awe, the wonder of God that would be poured out into this revelation that God was giving him. And this experience will change this man's life. But I don't want to get to all that. I just want you to focus on that, that first verse. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. King Uzziah began his reign when he was only 16 years old. Can you imagine? At 16 years old, he's installed as the king of a nation. The Bible tells us that he would reign for 52 years. That's a good run. When it comes to kingships, that's a good run. If somebody can stay on a throne for 52 years, they must be doing something right. So overall, we know that this man was a good king. In 2 Kings 15 and 3, it says that Uzziah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. In 2 Chronicles 26 and 5, it said he set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. And so this was a man who did right in the eyes of God, that God was blessing him. He was prospering. This was a good king. Uzziah also led Israel military victories over the Philistines and other neighboring nations. The Bible says that he was a strong king. Second Chronicles 26 and 8 says that his fame spread even to Egypt, for he had become very powerful. Man, when people looked at King Uzziah, they looked at a God-fearing king, a man that had everything going in the right direction. He was leading this nation in the ways of righteousness, leading them to be godly. But you see, Uzziah's life ended tragically. It just goes to show you, you can do, do, and do, and do, and get everything right, get, get, get everything, all the I's dotted, all the, cre all the T's crossed. You can get all of that right. But if you let your guard down just for a season, the enemy will sneak into your life, and he will pull, pull from you the, the, the destiny that God has for your life. Yeah, his life ended tragically. Second Chronicles 26 and 16 says, but when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction, for he was unfaithful to the Lord his God. Pride came over his life, and we know what the Bible says about pride. Pride comes before the fall. And so pride entered into his life. God was blessing him, blessing him, blessing him, and suddenly it, it goes to his head. You see, some of us, we've got to learn how to deal with the blessings of God in order for God to bless us because God wants to bless us, but, but, but pride's going to take over, and he's still chipping away at what's happening inside of us. And once he gets us prepared, then he's able to pour the blessing out on our lives. And so pride took over this man's life, and the Bible says that Uzziah was struck with leprosy and he was an isolated leper until he died. This great man, this great king, this great leader of Israel that people looked up to dies of leprosy, isolated. He's alone. 
That's not the end of the story that we want to read. That's not how we want to see things happen. Uh, maybe you've had a great mentor, a leader in your life, and, and, and when that person is sown into your life over and over and over, you hate to see it end tragically. You hate to see that person pulled out of your life. But that's what Isaiah had to encounter in his life. So when Isaiah said, in the year King Uzziah died, it signified this moment in his life that would be etched in his mind. In other words, what Isaiah was saying was, in the year a great and wise king who had a tragic end died. That's what he's saying. This man that we all looked up to, that died tragically, in the year that that happened, that's how he starts this chapter of the Bible. This is how he describes it to us. And Isaiah had great reason to be discouraged and disillusioned at the death of King Uzziah. This man was the hope of Israel. This was a great king that they had been waiting for. But yet his life ends tragically. What Isaiah is saying is this, it was a bad year. He's about to tell you what happened, but to describe that to you and to all of the other Hebrews that would be reading this, it was in that year that is set apart as a bad year for our nation. In the year King Uzziah died, in that bad year, have you ever just had a bad year, anybody in the room? Anybody having a bad year right now? January, man. It's beating you up, isn't it? It's tough. This is not how you envisioned it. It's not how you saw it going down. It's a bad year. The year that you lost your job. It's a bad year. The year that your marriage crumbled before your eyes. That's a bad year. The year that key friendships in your life fell apart, that's a bad year. And here's what I've come to realize through, through the years of counseling and such, that bad years can last a lifetime if you're not careful. If you don't get on top of it before it gets on top of you, your bad year can last a lifetime. I've had people sit in front of me, bitter, angry, hurt, crying, and it all goes back to something that happened years ago. Even this week, had to deal with a family member, dealing with stuff that happened years ago. But yet they haven't found healing yet. And that bad year keeps lasting a lifetime. It's a cycle. It's a never-ending cycle. And you have to be careful with that. But man, there's hope. There's hope. I didn't just bring you here to tear you down. I promise you. There's hope. Because it was in that bad year, in the year that King Uzziah, the hope of Israel, in the year that he died, it was in that year that Isaiah had this great vision of who God was. It was in that year that God pulled back the spiritual scales from his eyes and he saw God in a way that he had never seen God before. So here's the question that I want to ask you. Is it possible that bad scenarios and situations in our life can give us a fresh look at who God is? You want me to really mess up your theology? Is it possible that God will let you go through some bad scenarios and situations in your life so that you'll see him differently than you ever did before? Good answer. It was a bad, 
bad year for Isaiah. But God was about to show him some great and mighty things. When I was about nine years old, I was over at a friend's house, a friend that was a, a few years older, two or three years older than I was, and his sister happened to be dating my brother. And so I was over at their house, and we were in the backyard jumping on the trampoline when my brother and his sister and a few of their friends pulled up, and they said that they were going bowling. Everybody was going bowling, and my friend, being two or three years older than I, I was, his mom said that he could go, and so I just assumed I was going to get to go. And so my parents called his house knowing the plans, and they said, we're coming to get Rocky. He can't go. And little nine-year-old Rocky, man, I just burst into tears. I'm telling you, it was rough. It was rough. This, this was so disheartening for me. It was tough. It was one of those moments in life where I just thought it was an injustice. You know, this isn't right. This isn't how you're supposed to treat your son. And, and it was awful. And all the way from their house back to our house, I had one of those nine-year-old cries going on. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you parents, you had to deal with this on the way to church. You know, it's, it, you, it, you can hardly catch a breath when you cry like that. You know, it's just... <laughs> And that's how I was crying all the way home. And part of it was just, you know, the, the drama queen inside of me. <laughs> Did I just admit that? <laughs> just trying to get the attention. If I cry harder right now, then they're going to have to let me go. They're going to, mom and dad, we're not having it. No, everybody else loaded up in the car. They took off to the bowling alley. Poor little Rocky. Sitting in the back seat, heading home prison <laughs> we get to the house and I just want to go to my bedroom and I'm still you know, snot running down my face I'm just want to just want to go wipe it on my bedspread or something you know and and I'm walking towards my bedroom and my mom and dad say no 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 we want you to go to the tv room go to the den I'm like the injustice continues you know I don't want to go you can't make me watch TV you know that kind of thing I already said it in my mind I'm just going to sit there with my eyes closed real tight I'm not going to watch the TV you know and so I, I walk to the TV room and when I walk in there right in front of our, our you know you remember those TVs that had the big cabinet around it you know there in front of our TV was the first Atari the very first Atari video game they ever came out with with combat. So some of you right now, you're like, man, I'm with you. The joystick with the one red button. Kids today, they wouldn't know how to play that game. I, I'd, I'd whip my son's butt at combat. Pac-Man. Suddenly, my world changed. At the moment I walked in and realized that my parents had spent $99.99, not including tax. <laughs> that they had spent that on me. Suddenly, I forgot everything that I was going through. But I had to experience the death of the vision that I had of going bowling with older kids. I had to experience that in order for my life to be revived at the moment I saw the Atari. Because if there's one thing that I know about God is that he loves to revive dead things. 
That's it. I've said it before. I'll continue saying it. But you could not even invite Jesus to a good funeral because he would mess it up because he'd walk in, raise him from the dead. So if you, if you want to have a good morning, don't invite him because you, you can't mourn. He's just going to raise him from the dead. And so he loves to revive dead things. Deuteronomy 32 and 39 says, There is no God besides me. I put to death and I bring to life. 1 Corinthians 6 and 14 says, And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. That's you. That's me. That's us. That's we. He will raise us up by his power. In 1 Kings chapter 17, it says that God resurrected the son of a widow. In 2 Kings chapter 4, it says that he resurrected the son of the Shunammite woman. In 2 Kings chapter 13, they laid a dead man on the bones of God's prophet and it brought him back to life. They just threw the man into the tomb on top of Elisha's bones and the man came back to life. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus resurrects the widow's son at Nain. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus revives the life of a woman with the issue of blood. And then he turns around and resurrects the dead daughter of Jairus. In John chapter 11, he brings his friend Lazarus back to life. In Matthew chapter 27, when Jesus dies on the cross, the Bible says, this is going to mess you up, buckle up. You didn't even know this was in the Bible. The Bible says at the moment that he died on the cross that many saints were brought back to life. Good, God-fearing people came back to life. The Bible says they came walking out of their graves and they walked around the city and people saw them walking around. There were witnesses to see these dead people come back to life at the moment that Jesus died. And in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus himself is revived. And that shouldn't catch us off guard because it was he that said, I am the resurrection and the life. So I don't care what you're going through right now. But he does. He cares. And I promise you, he has the, bit, the ability to revive it, to send revival into your death situation. He has the ability to do that. And 25 years ago this year, he reached down into a young, young man's life that was on his way to hell, that was, that was having problems with alcohol and, and, and just bad influences in his life. And he reached down into my life 25 years ago, and he revived me. And if he can do that to me, I promise you, he can bring revival to your life. Amen? Amen. Don't let your current circumstances set the agenda for your future. Some of you are struggling right now, and you think this is your forever. This is just a valley you're walking through. He takes you from glory to glory. From mountaintop to mountaintop, you've got to walk through that valley at some point. But when you get to the other side, it's greater than the former glory. Yes, in a bad year, a king died. But the king of kings is still alive and well and sitting on his throne. Maybe your king Uzziah died. But your king didn't. Maybe your hopes and your dreams, maybe they passed away. But your king is still alive. And in the year that king Uzziah died, during a tragic event in this prophet's life, during a bad year that he was having, the Bible says that Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. I'm going to stay here just for a moment because you need to know this. You need to understand what this looks like in your life. Because it's in the moments of life that seem dead and hopeless that we are able to experience personal revival and see the Lord high and lifted up in our lives.
If you are experiencing a dead season in your life, you are primed and ready to see the Lord high and lifted up. See, some of you, you walked in here today and you just thought that there was no hope. You didn't think that you were ever going to get out of this season that you're in. You don't know how it's going to happen, but you, you have a target on you for a blessing. You are primed and ready to see the Lord high and lifted up. Isaiah, in the year that his king died, in this bad year, he sees the Lord high and lifted up above his bad year. This is so important. Please get this. Above his problem. God was high and lifted up, exalted. above everything that was going wrong. When will we ever realize that God sits above our problems? They're below his feet. His throne is above your personal problems. His throne is above your current circumstances. His throne is above Satan's schemes and how he's trying to, to rip God out of your life and the blessings of God out of your life. Just because your hopes and your dreams died, it doesn't mean that your God did. He's still in charge. He's still on a throne. And no matter what you're facing right now, you have to remember that God still has the final say-so. When I was, was growing up, I was the youngest of four boys. I had three older brothers. And at any moment when any two of us would be in an argument, a disagreement with each other. My dad had the ability to walk into the room and to set everything straight. Anybody have a dad or had a dad like that? Just walked with authority. I mean, he had the ability to walk in, speak a few words and put us right back on the right track or where we needed to be. It, 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 was, a, it was amazing. And it didn't matter if it was fair or not. When daddy spoke, we listened. We knew that he meant business. And the same is true of your heavenly father. You know, at any moment in your life, when you and your enemy, the enemy of your soul, at any moment when you are at odds with the future of your life, God has the ability to set the record straight. You know, even if you bought in and, and, and the enemy, the enemy has even convinced you that you deserve the pain that you're going through, that you deserve the destruction that you're facing. Even if he's convinced you of that, let me tell you something right now. This will change your life. God ain't fair. God ain't fair. But sometimes when God ain't fair, it's, it's to your advantage. Because the enemy may be convinced and may even have you convinced that you deserve it. But when God begins to speak, he can care less about the enemy's opinion. He has the ability to revive your life. And some of us, including me right now, we need a spiritual resuscitation is what we need. We need a moment where revival enters into our life that we don't get stuck in the year that King Uzziah died. We don't get stuck in our current circumstances and we believe that he is able to revive us. And this room right now, it's full of, of people that God has resurrected their lives. I look at Keith Land back there in the back, sitting there, faithfully serving each week. 
This was a year that King Uzziah died for him. All year long, he's been worried about his job. Knowing that the company had the potential to shut down, and sure enough, he got the phone call. They were shutting down in this area. King Uzziah died, hopes, dreams. They die at a moment like that. If you've ever lost a job, you know what I'm talking about. King Uzziah died. But just in the right amount of time, God said, Keith, I'm going to give you the job that you need right now. Let me resurrect your situation. Let me revive. Let me bring revival to your life, Keith Land. I look down at Kay Rogers. Those of you that just went through Discover Destiny, some of you may have heard a little bit of her story. Just a few years ago, I remember this church rallying around Kay's life. She tragically lost her husband to death. King Uzziah died. Future, hopes, dreams. God said, I'm not done with you, Kay. They've made it public. I might as well make it public too. Tim and Kay are now engaged, resurrected, revived. In the year that your King Uzziah dies, get up, get ready, and get to praising. There's something about God's people praising him in the middle of their chaos. There's something about people that just still trust him even in a moment of despair. Because if you do that, you might just get to see the Lord high and lifted up. The Bible says that his train filled the temple when Isaiah saw him. That means there's no room for standing. When the king walks in and his robe is so long that it fills the end, you're not going to step on a king's robe. You know that, right? You're not going to do that. His, his robe, his train filled the temple. That means there wasn't one human being that could stand in that room. There was no room for human error in that room. God was there. But when you encounter God like that, when you see God high and lifted up in your life, it will change who you are. It changed Isaiah. His response to seeing God, the Lord, high and lifted up and his train filling the temple, his response was, woe is me. In other words, uh-oh. Who am I to be standing here in the presence of God? Who am I to stand in this moment of holiness? He would go on to say, I'm a man of unclean lips. In other words, I've been saying all the wrong things in the year that King Uzziah died. I've been living with hopelessness, despair, torment. I'm a man of unclean lips. The things I have said, they don't exemplify worship to God. Bible says that God sent an angel over to touch his lips to purify him to cleanse him you have no choice at that moment but to just start praising thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC 
We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.